college football season is officially here. Had a little bit of an appetizer last weekend, but now locally we get UAlbany, RPI, Union. We get major matchups like number five, Notre Dame, number two, Ohio State. Interested to see how good this Utah team is. They get an early SEC test at Florida. Finally, college football season is here. And oh, by the way, the first day of September and in the Capital Region, it sure feels like fall is not too far off, Ash. I wasn't ready for it, but now that it's here, you have to be. Uh, I'm excited for football season. I always just say I don't love what comes with it, which means cold weather and all the rest of it. But I love college football. If I could, I would sit in front of the TV all day Saturday, which I won't. Um, But yeah. I will sit in front of the TV all day Saturday and watch football. We've got Jason Fitz from ESPN coming up to talk college football. We've got Jake Fishman, the former Union College standout, now with the Miami Marlins organization, had his first career strikeout just a few days ago. We'll talk with Jake as well. You're watching Honorado and Company. Ash, let's get going. is Honorado and Company. Brought to you by Alpenhouse. Live from Alpenhouse in Amsterdam, the pool and ski shop. We've got half pool, half ski going right now. The people at Alpenhouse know that the seasons change quickly around here. They will be ready for winter when it gets here. But if you're looking or thinking about a pool installation, call them now. They are taking 2023 reservations and they are filling up quickly. Mm-hmm. People are planning ahead given the economy and given the fact that uh, everything costs a little bit more these days. Of course, Labor Day is here as well. The weekend sales are on for sure. Come see our people, Andy Heck, Katie Osborne at Alpenhouse. If you're thinking about a pool or if you're already thinking about the winter and you want a hot tub and you're going to be a skier, this is the place to be. Uh, see, Jason Fitz from- just it just like reaffirms my fear of mm-hmm. pool to ski. We're just skip the fall at that place. And that's always what I say. I'm like, yeah, but we never get a good fall. Like we never get a week we never get a month of 70s, a month of 60s. It's just like 80s, and then we fall off the cliff to be like 50s and 40s, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Casey's watching. Morning, Jeff. Always good to have you. Carol is here as well. Got to see Carol last weekend at our uh, Horseshoe Traverse Day broadcast uh, up in Saratoga. And Nick, of course, is on board. By the way, quick note on Nick here. I was thinking about him the other day because I saw a national commercial. I couldn't tell you what it was for, but it's a guy in a doctor's office and a kid looks at him funny and he's got his face painted in Bengals uh Orange colors and, and he's even yeah. got yeah and, and and he says to looks at the kid and he says to the kid uh i used the wrong paint is why he was either at the doctor's office or er whichever it is he was at sure. uh so i was thinking about i was thinking about nick uh not too long ago when, when i saw that particular spot speaking of the way we're starting today's show is with our marcellus appliance mvp of the month because what we are witnessing in Queens, Flushing Meadows, whatever you want to call that area of New York 
is unbelievable what the 40-year-old Serena Williams is doing. So I've already given it away, but it is just September 1st. We are going to honor August and part of September with this Marcella's MVP of the month. It's time for the Marcella's Appliance Center MVP of the month. Ash, it's incredible what Serena Williams is doing at this age of 40 at the U.S. Open, an event she has won six times, and that makes her our Marcella's MVP of the month, even though I know we're only into into the third round now for Serena, but the fact that she won the first round match, nice, then she knocks off the second overall seed. This is fun to watch. The crowds have been insanely big and energetic and loving every single point. Uh, And Serena looks like she's enjoying herself and the process. She's as uh, intense as ever. And she has turned back the clock, especially with her serve, I think. Yeah. And listen, I, I didn't watch too much of Wednesday night's second round match, but I watched the first round match from start to finish. And that was at times brutal. And I think I texted you that I'm like, this is bad tennis. The first set and change was bad tennis. Uh, and her serve saved her there. Wednesday night was different. Wednesday night felt different. We saw a different Serena. She acted like she was enjoying it a little more, but listen, of course she is. She is literally playing for her tennis life. She has announced that she is evolving from tennis she's retiring at the end of this tournament she has more to play for now than she ever has um and i just don't think people expected this of her but then at the end of the day i always say well why not she's serena williams but the way she did it wednesday night was what impressed me most she like you said she turned back the clock she did not look like a 40 year old she looked like the serena that we were used to winning major championships and now this is all it takes for our minds and the for things to switch for us to say, well, she just knocked off the number two player in the world. How can you not say she has a legitimate chance? That's how that's how far we go. Yeah, th- there's no question now. You cannot just you know dismiss her. I, I don't know. She's she was an underdog on Wednesday night, obviously against the seconds. Will she be an underdog in any other match the rest of the way here? If I'm Vegas, I'm not gonna give betters an opportunity to win money off her as an underdog anymore. Like I'm going to make her at least even money, if not a favorite going forward here. To your point, this is a woman who's won 23 Grand Slam titles, an event she's won six times. So At this point, I don't think we should be stunned, maybe pleasantly surprised in a way if she's able to really pull this off. Um, But I don't know that you're going to see her as an underdog in any matches going forward. No, I mean, listen, unless she plays probably like Sviatek at some point, and Um, I don't, is she even playing? I was going to say, unless she plays the number one overall in the world, I'm not sure that Vegas will ever give you, you know, good odds for her because she's now proven, all right, I can, I can knock off the number two in the world. So what else can I do? Um, But yeah, she looks impressive. And I always think, listen, Serena is always confident to the point of cocky, but when you've won 23 major championships I think you've earned that. So I'm, I believe it was Mary Jo Fernandez on court last night and they were did like another little bit of a ceremony and I was just listening. I couldn't see it. I was in the car and she asked Serena, 
have you surprised even yourself? <laughs> and you could tell that Serena just kind of laughed and she must have shaken her head no because she said to her, she's like, I'm Serena. Like, and that's what I thought. I thought it, that's exactly it. But that's how she thinks of herself. Like, no, I'm yep. not surprising myself. I'm Serena Williams. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think any of that confidence ever leaves one of yeah. these great athletes. Like Tiger Woods was in the crowd Wednesday night. I don't think Tiger Woods awesome. would ever be surprised that he, that he won uh, a tournament ever in his like if he wins the Masters at 60, I don't think Tiger Woods would tell you I'm I'm surprised. He might have yeah. thought, "Hey, I didn't know that that I'd still be capable of this on on some level." But but I don't know that level of confidence never leaves these star athletes. And Serena has credited Tiger with really her returning this year and coming back from she's had, you know, for career threatening, life threatening situations in terms of injuries and, and health scares. Uh, in a way, it's it's a miracle she's even on center court this week at, in Flushing Meadows. So it was cool to see. It's been cool to see. OK, I said Tiger. Uh, Anna Wintour has been there because, you know, Serena makes the announcement in vogue that she's evolving, as you said. Um, there have been celebrities upon celebrities upon celebrities at Arthur Ashe Stadium to witness this. For me, Tiger took the cake. Like when Tiger <laughs> Woods shows up to watch another person play because he's that interested in seeing another great um, that to me was the coolest. Like I, Bill Clinton was there. Martina Navratilova was there. Gail King was there. I, I get, it, I get it. Rebel Wilson was there. Lindsey Vaughn to me, Tiger Woods tops them all because yeah. you have another great in the sport and he came to watch her. And I always think it says something for me still when a male comes to watch a female and thinks like, yeah, she's great. But like you see Tiger, like he is fist pumping in the yeah. crowd. Like yeah. he's basically out on the gut. This is him doing his, his classic fist pump and Serena's kind of returning it. And I, it was to me, that was the coolest part of the whole thing is when Tiger Woods is into it and loving something that someone else is doing. That is awesome. It's funny. There's been a, there's part of the conversation has been, um, you know, she's playing so well. If she were to win the U S open, how does she walk away? At, at with 24 and now tied with Margaret Court, how do you now walk away? But I, I think she does. I hope she does have the conviction yeah. to say, you know what, however this ends, it's been a great little run already. If it ends with another trophy, phenomenal. Right. But either way, I, I have proven I can still do this at a high level. Now's the time to walk away. Yeah, no doubt. Because listen, we've seen what – not a high level looks like for her and the announcers in the booth would all be the first to tell you. I think Chrissy Everett was like Serena Williams right now looks like a different person than Serena yep. Williams a month ago, two weeks ago. So it's clear that she's getting healthy. And that's what I think the struggle is always like, if I'm healthy, can I continue to do this? Her problem has been, the injuries have been significant. And like you said, not only like sports injuries, they've been life threatening. So the fact that she's here at all is unbelievable. She's a 40-year-old playing against 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds. Like, that's ridiculous stuff. 
All right, I see Jason Fitz is here. Let's get to him. Uh, I, I could run down his resume of what he's currently doing at ESPN. It would eat up the 10 minutes we have with him. <laughs> so when we come back from this quick commercial break, just 30 seconds, everybody, Jason Fitz from ESPN to preview the college football season. Back on Honorado and Company right after this. At Marcella's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You you can have peace of mind that Marcellus is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, and many more. Shop Marcellus Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. And now, back to Honorado and Company, brought to you by Alpenhouse. And I'm live at Alpen House in Amsterdam, pool, spa, ski. Quick transition in the capital region from summer to winter. We love fall. We unfortunately generally skip fall. Jason feels our pain on that, living in the Northeast now as well. And Jason Fitz from ESPN is our guest here on Honorado and Company. Jason, man, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you, dude? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's a, this is awesome, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. Let's go. So I, I will I will just share this uh, with our viewers. We first connected on radio a few years ago. You, you have always been so gracious with your time. A quick responder via text or DM on Twitter. I so appreciate that. And this is how the universe works. It's very strange. We're messaging yesterday about you coming on the show today. And as I'm driving home from work, Ash, Ashley and I are both big country music fans. We got engaged in Nashville. Uh, what comes on the radio? If I Die Young from the band Perry. A, a, a song that hasn't been on the radio in forever. And it comes back around incredible. Well, and look. You know, it's funny. I never got into music because I wanted to be rich or famous, thank God. Uh, but I did get into music because I wanted to be a part of something that lasted. And I remember so much for me when I was a kid, like even the first time, I guess I was, grew up in the 80s, right? I remember the first time I heard a, a string section on November Rain on Guns N' Roses. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. I want to do that. And, you know, later in life, I played on a Matchbox 20 Mad Season record that had a bunch of hits and like, I, I would drive around and I'd say like my I'm on that I'm in that orchestra and like Tim McGraw if you're reading this was uh, an ACM wow. performance that they turned into a, a single from our performance I was the first violinist on that and that song was a big hit for people and so like for me it was never about like oh my god look at my platform it was like there are people that are going to remember certain days and certain weeks certain years of their lives based on the song they hear because that's what I went through so to be you know a tiny part of lasting memories for a bunch of acts most notably the band Perry is always cool. And like, look, I listen to Y2K country on Sirius XM all the time, just cause it brings me back to like, Oh, we toured with that guy. And I remember this tour and I remember this guy and he was a jerk and he was the nicest. Like I remember all of that. So yeah, I, I love strolling down memory lane and that's awesome that that was on the radio. Jason, you are, I, I know there are people who claim to be the most interesting man in the world. I'm going to give that title to you. You are the most interesting man in the world. For me, anyway. Uh, well, well, thanks. Uh, I've been really fortunate. I, I've worked my tail off, but I've been really fortunate to have two dream jobs, right? Like I went from yeah. standing in front of a bunch of people to, you know, play music to now I get to sit in front of a microphone and just talk about sports. Like I, I've had two incredible dream jobs that have always been fan supported. So it's, you know, it's always a humbling thing for me when I look around and say, man, I've never had to, I've never had to, you know, 
uh, sit there and try and figure out what's next, like in a normal nine to five situation, because people have chosen to support what I do. So I'm, I'm really lucky. You see the record and cover and album covers behind <laughs> him. You also see the the Raiders gear, which we'll get to yeah. in a moment here, because I have a bold prediction on your Raiders this season. You're you're a Grammy winner, but currently you hear him on ESPN Radio with Spain and Fitz. You see him on TV with College Football Live, uh, and you are all over the digital space, man. Which you've you've really kind of helped revolutionize the sports media industry uh, in that way. All of that said. All that nice stuff said, let's get into it here. College football is finally here this weekend, and what a way to start. Number five, Notre Dame. Number two, Ohio State. Uh, maybe the playoff for both of these teams on the line week one. 17 and a half points is, is one of the last lines I saw. Where does this one fall for you, Jason? Is it that big of a gap between these two? It, it, it is, but... But there's two reasons why. So 17 and a half is the biggest uh, uh, deficit we've seen, uh, biggest uh, points spread we've seen for a top five team ever. So this is historic. And that wow. speaks a little bit to how good Ohio State's offense is and how early we are in the process for Notre Dame. Like, I think Marcus Freeman is going to build something really special there. The only shot that Notre Dame has is if they can control the football. Everybody keeps saying, can they slow down Ohio State's offense? The answer to that is no, they can't. Ohio State may be like a video game scoring in three plays over and over and over again. So the question is, can they run the football enough to just keep that offense off the field? That's our only hope. And I, I think that'll work for a half, maybe even for three quarters. But at some point when that's your strategy, typically the, the dam breaks. And I don't think that that means that Notre Dame's not very good. I just think this year there are three teams that have the opportunity to be truly elite. Alabama, as always. Ohio State, as always. And Georgia, who I don't think is getting enough credit, coming off a national championship. So those three teams have really – separated themselves from the pack. And I think by the end of the year, Notre Dame may still be trying to say, hey, don't don't worry about that. That was week one. But they need to keep it close if they want a shot to the playoff, though. If they get absolutely run out of the, the stadium, they're going to they're gonna ruin their playoff chances. Jason, do you think the huge spread has anything to do with history? So what, recent history tells us that Notre Dame can't hang – with others in the college football playoff. They just haven't shown that they're at that echelon. Does that spread have to do with that and less maybe to do with the current talent that we haven't even seen yet? I think that's a little of it for sure. And what's happened is a lot of us, myself included, are drinking the Marcus Freeman Kool-Aid. Like, he's just the coolest guy. Yeah. So when you hear him talk, you're like, yeah, he's going to figure this out. Like, he always figures this out. Look at him. He's just got that cool factor. When he sits on the couch, I'd run through a wall for him. So I can't imagine being a college kid wanting to play football, right? So – I think we bought into the personality of Marcus Freeman as a reason to excuse the past uh, past failures for Notre Dame in big games. But, yeah, that, that's that's a big part of this. I mean, if Marcus Freeman wins this game this weekend, the hype train is going to be absolutely insane, but maybe deservedly so because Notre Dame's always almost good enough to contend. All he has to do is get that extra 10% out of him. I read that Alabama is under Saban has never won the national championship as the preseason number one team in the country. That blew my mind. Uh, if it isn't Bama this year, Jason, who is it? I think Ohio if State. If you can only pick one, Ohio State, okay. But I'll say this. Part of the reason I, I, I agree with that assessment, that I don't think it is Alabama this year, not because Alabama is not great, but because the road to get there for Alabama is just hard. I mean, yeah. there's no two ways about it. Like, you want to tell me that Texas A&M, every single kid yeah. that plays for Texas A&M has been sitting there for a long time saying, like, mm, 
We're going to get you again, right? Like it's it's in everybody's mind. Everybody is gunning for Alabama. And I was stunned. I, you know, I was uh, I made a cameo in the Walker Hayes video for Y'all Life, his last single that came out. And while we were there, there were a couple of Alabama football players that were in the video. And I went up to him while we were just hanging around. And I was like, hey, how long did it take you to get over the national championship loss? And both of them, without hesitation, said minutes. They're like, we're the better team. They just beat us because we were hurt. There's a swagger to Alabama, but what I don't think they understand is that that swagger has caused the belly of the beast to be fired on every other SEC team. Like, as great as Alabama is, the path just gets difficult because there are good football teams and rivalries that they'll have to face every week. I, I could see them tripping up, and just one trip up against a team like AM could keep them out of the SEC championship, could keep them out of the playoffs. Oh, well, listen, Nick Saban doesn't help himself by, you know, stoking the fire with comments. We've seen it all all offseason, but I'm not sure that that's good for a team like Alabama. Like, I know you want everybody's best, but you're going to get everybody's best. You don't need to piss off Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders and everybody else on the planet who's going to throw the kitchen sink at you every time they play you. Yeah, I think he just believes they're so much better than everybody and he's so much more skilled as a coach. Rightfully so. But, you know, at some point, I mean, look at Bill Belichick, who is certainly still having success. But when you are judged by championships and Super Bowls only, success is not enough. Right. So at some point, the prickly version of Nick Saban, when it comes to other people, will come back to haunt you if you ever have one or two years where you just aren't reloading the same way. So as long as they keep recruiting the way they recruit, I don't think Saban cares, but he should at some point. Uh, we saw Oregon pull off an upset week one last year. Can they do it again here as the Ducks go to Georgia? New coach now. Um, you see, you've already said good things about Georgia here. You think they're maybe being overlooked on some level. Is this Bulldogs easy? I don't think it's Bulldogs easy, but I do think it's Bulldogs. Dan Lanning is the new coach for yeah. Oregon. And for anyone that doesn't know, he was the defensive coordinator for uh, Georgia. So he knows this team better than most, right? But my, my problem here is Bo Nix. And, you know, Bo Nix is the new quarterback for Oregon. He was the quarterback for Auburn. And if you remember, the thing he was most famous for at Auburn was beating Oregon. And so he now goes to Oregon. But Bo's record at home versus on the road is staggering. The number of interceptions he throws on the road is jarring. He's a much different quarterback when he's not at home. And we can call this neutral site all day long. But last time I checked, it's not neutral site, right? So this is a home game for Georgia. I think that's asking a lot of Bo Nix, who's proven at least so far to not play well on the road, not play all well on the road against SEC teams. And this is the first time for Dan Landing. Like, I think Oregon's going to turn out to be pretty good. But I think Oregon right now has so much pressure on them to represent the future of the Pac-12. Landing has so much pressure on them. They've gone through a coaching change. Georgia's just sitting back there saying, remember, remember January, y'all? Like, we're national <laughs> champions for a reason. So I think there's going to be a swagger to what the Bulldogs do. Jason, so much talk has been about, with all the conference realignment, the future of the ACC. Does the ACC even exist in five to ten years because they're so top? You have a team like Clemson, and then it's kind of everybody else. Obviously, we saw Pittsburgh uh, kind of shine last year, win an ACC championship. But what are your feelings on conference realignment and how it maybe affects conferences like the ACC or the Pac-10, 12, 8, whoever they are? <laughs> yeah, I mean – how many, however many teams they are, we'll call them whatever. Yeah. Um, I think for the good of college football, ACC, the ACC needs to continue to be a, a huge part of it. And what I would love to see 
is not an alliance, but an actual alignment of uh, the ACC with either the remaining teams in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the Big 12, however they want to do it. Uh, there is a spot where we have to remember there's more than just college football on the line. And mm. to me, I look at student athletes, particularly not even just basketball where the ACC is dominant. But, you know, if you look at some of the logistics that are going to be facing some of these kids trying to figure out how to play, you know, in California now that are suddenly playing, you know, if you're playing, if you're a basketball player, I talked to a woman's basketball player from USC that went there specifically because she wanted to play West coast teams. And now she has to figure out, you know, how to get mm. her family to Maryland games when they're playing there. Like it's just, it's a wild world we live in. And I understand the expansion for the purpose of college football because it's so important to so many people. I understand mega conferences, but I really think the playoffs should sit down and say, what are we going to do? Because the minute you tell the ACC that they have a guaranteed bid, I don't love guaranteed bids personally. I think they're going to do it. If they do do that, now all of a sudden the ACC says, we don't have to merge with anybody because we know that our best still has a shot at the playoffs. So I, I think the playoff committee could come in with expansion as early as tomorrow yeah. and really give conferences an indication you don't have to do this. Utah is probably the easy answer here as a team that breaks in from the outside. I mean, they're they're in a Power Five conference. They're a top 10 team. But Nick wants to know, Jason, is there a chance the Cincinnati Bearcats break through this year? You know, Nick, that's a great question. And this is the biggest prove-it year we've seen for Cincinnati. Like, we know the roster's very good. We know the coach is incredible, right? Mm -hmm. We know that they're building the facilities and they're preparing for a huge move. They don't have a quarterback or a running back that we really know. One is trying to find right. a way on a roster, you know, and, and a future, I should say, on the roster in Atlanta. And, you know, Pierce is going to be the starting running back for the Texans. So, like, you can look across the board and say they just lost important elements. They lost a key wide receiver, too. So, they have to rebuild. And this is where big programs constantly get benefit of the doubt. And we don't give that to the Bearcats. I think Cincinnati's in a really interesting situation, especially with the week one matchup against Arkansas, who's a good team, but a beatable team. You know, Arkansas at home is a tough game. But if Cincinnati really wants to belong in that conversation, they've got to beat Arkansas. So they'll they'll tell us this weekend if they should be in the playoffs. So one thing I would say is this. I don't believe the committee members. And I've sat through the mock committee a bunch of times. Uh, I don't believe committee members have a, a predisposition to putting certain teams in. But subconscious is subconscious. I do believe that sometimes you look at it when you've seen a team do it before, not do it before. Right or wrong, it's in the back of your head. Cincinnati has become a brand now in college football. Mm -hmm. From that, they will have the opportunity. If they continue to beat teams like Arkansas, and they will rise as they go into the Big 12 and they'll get more benefit of the doubt. If they don't, they become essentially a, 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 you know, a rival of theirs. They become Memphis, a team we talk about every once in a while, but doesn't really rise to the cream. So I think the Bearcats it's hard for me to make the leap without a quarterback wide receiver and running back that we really trust in the room. But I, I don't think there's an easier team to root for right now than Cincinnati. Cause that's good for the future of college football. Maybe. All right, Ash. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll jump in here. Cause we've already gone overtime with Jason. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this Jay. Um, the last time I made something of a bold prediction in terms of a team winning the division when nobody else really thought oh, they God. would Sam Darnold got mono. Bad. So I don't want to really put that on you and Derek. Thank you so Carr. much for picking the Chargers to win the uh, AFC West. <laughs> That's so nice of you. 
But I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the Raiders at plus 600 in Caesars, and I'm thinking, what, what am I missing here? They just got the best receiver in football. They've got an offensive-minded head coach now who, in his second time around, I think is really going to flourish. They've got a quarterback who gets overlooked annually. Uh, I think the Raiders are, at worst, the third best team in this division. I think Denver finishes last. And I, I think they have great potential to win the thing. Uh, so I think the Chargers are probably the most talented, but I don't trust their coaching staff. Kept them out of the playoff last year. I think that's fair yes. to say. Yes. I think the Raiders end up second in this division behind the Chargers. But to your point, I actually put money on Derek Carr for MVP, not because I think Derek Carr is necessarily going to be the MVP, but if this team wins 11, 12 games, as they're capable of with their offense, he's going to get those votes. And you, you tell me, I, I will never forget last year watching a bunch of film with Ryan Clark and Dan Orlovsky, and they were breaking down the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. And if you watch the defense, RC kept pausing right before the snap, and he'd say, watch everybody cheat to where Tyreek's going to go, and that creates the opening for Kelsey. When you have a guy like Tyreek, it makes Kelsey open. That's why I think the Chiefs take a step back this year. They don't have that guy. But that's also why I think the Raiders take a huge leap forward. I mean, Derek Carr threw for 4,800 yards last year without a true number one wide receiver. So you tell me that the defense is going to have to cheat to cover Devontae Adams. Darren Waller is going to put up epic numbers. And by the way, Hunter Renfro just got paid great money to be a slot receiver. Yes, they have offensive line issues, and you got to see if the defense will be okay. But I also believe that when you have a great play caller, you can get around some of that. I think the Raiders are going to be a top three offense in the NFL, which will automatically make Derek Carr a contender for MVP. And it'll put them in a situation where they're in the conversation. They're a playoff team, and this year in the AFC, if you're in the playoff team, you've got a legit shot at the Super Bowl. I don't care who wins divisions. You get in the dance, you're going to have an opportunity to go all the way. Yeah, Listen, man, we so appreciate Yeah, it is. It sure the is. The pillow behind me totally agrees with you. As do the jerseys <laughs> over there and the helmet over there. Yes, all of it agrees with you. Yeah. Listen, man, we so appreciate the time going over time with you here. Uh, by the hoop streams too. check Jason out on the ESPN social platform with the WN Bay playoffs now at the semifinal stage. He is everywhere on ESPN. Impossible to miss. You've seen simple and on Twitter at Jason Fitz. Check him out there. Jason, man, thank you so much, dude. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Have a great week. Thanks, Jay. Great talking with him, oh. college football, NFL, and uh, and he's he's been good over the years for sure, as I said, with, uh, with radio and now with this show as well. It was good. Beautiful. So, you, yeah, you've kind of said, like, he's this guy has done everything. All of it. He, he won a Grammy. I, I didn't realize how many, you know, kind of orchestra yeah. ensembles he's been part of in terms yeah. of country music records. Um, Van Perry is the one where he, his name is is always attached. Um, yeah. But he's talking about playing for some of the biggest musicians all time. Crazy. I know. I wanted to ask him, like, how much do you fiddle? Like on an average week? How often are you just like fiddling it up? Yeah. So the Yard Goats recently had him out to play the national anthem on the fiddle I saw. Um, he did something for, I think for the Raiders, he played the autumn wind as a pirate on the fiddle. Um, so I don't know that he's picking it up every day, but, but he's not fully out of practice because he can just kind of do those things on request. At that level of musical talent, you're not forgetting how to do it. I, I would say that's more than fair to say. Uh, the Popeyes Louisiana Fast Minute still to come here on Honorado and Company. Performance Industrials, Dirty, Difficult, Done as well. We'll get to that next here as I'm joining you live from Alpenhouse in Amsterdam. Chris Honorado and Ashley Miller. 
back right after this. Teams. Athletes. Organizations. We're transforming the custom apparel industry through products and purpose. Claim your crown. Fire, water, smoke, mold, and sewage cleanup. Reconstructing your home after a disaster can be both stressful and demanding. KPM Restoration will work quickly to restore your home. We'll help provide complete damage restoration to your property. My problem was that uh, I was traveling, there was a leak in my basement, we called KPM, they came in at 9 o'clock at night and were there till 2 o'clock in the morning until the problem was solved. KPM Restoration, we'll get you back to normal. And now, back to Honorado and Company, brought to you by Alpenhouse. Live from Alpenhaus in Amsterdam, the pool ski spa shop here. So uh, if you're thinking about a pool, call now. They're taking reservations for 2023. They go quickly. If you're already thinking winter and you want a hot tub to stay warm, they've got them here. Or if you like the slopes, obviously this is where they have everything ski related at Alpenhaus, where we are live each and every single month here with Honorado and Company. Ash, I just saw Jake Fishman pop He's in. He's here. So before we get to the Popeye's Louisiana Fast Minute and the performance industrial dirty difficult done, let's bring in that former union star pitcher, Jake Fishman, who only a couple of days ago now got his first Major League Baseball strikeout. It was a nasty yeah. side-winding off-speed pitch in a tough spot, men on the corners, and only one out. It's a big, big strikeout to get in a situation like that. Jake Fishman is with us here on Honorado and Company. Jake, man, it's Chris Honorado and Ashley Miller with the NBC in Albany, buddy. Thank you for doing this. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Congrats on the success. Um, yeah. This is baseball is is a headache. Uh, yep. Not that I need to tell you because it becomes <laughs> a, a numbers game this time of year, especially in terms of whether or not you have minor league options or not. And so as you bounce back and forth a little bit with the big league club, does any of this become frustrating for you all the time you've put into the minor leagues? Or have you had that taste of success now where you're like, I, I just simply cannot let this go? Um, yeah, I mean, I think anybody would be frustrated getting sent down um, after making it to the big leagues. You, you have that dream as a kid and you envision that moment your whole life where you get called up and then it's over in three days and you're like, that's not exactly what I was expecting, but um, obviously super grateful for the opportunities. Any big league time that you can get is amazing to spend up there. Um, so while it is frustrating, uh, it's still an amazing experience. Jake, you've had two appearances now. Can you take us back to that July 31st outing against the Mets. That's the first time you walk on the field as a major leaguer. Uh, it was a, a long relief outing. They needed you for a lot. Three and a third innings, four hits, one earned, no walks. Um, what is that moment like for you? And even if you want to talk about the call, because that's what people like to, to kind of reminisce about, is that phone call or when you get brought into the manager's room and they say, you know, you're going up, what is that like? 
Yeah, so it's a little bit different these days. Um, there, there isn't really any, you know, like true call-ups um, because they have this taxi squad now. So um, I was in AAA and the manager called me into the office with another teammate of mine. And he said, hey, you guys are going to Miami to go on the taxi squad. We aren't exactly sure if you're going to be activated, but uh, you guys have been doing great. And um, we hope the best for you. So we ended up going to Miami the next morning. And uh, as soon as I got to the field, I went and spoke to Don Mattingly. And he said, hey, Fish, you know, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen yet. Uh, we're waiting for a couple transactions to go through, and then um, I'll let you know before the game. And, uh, you know, probably about an hour or two before the game, he called me into his office and uh, went, shook my hand, and said, Congratulations, we're going to activate you for tonight's game. Um, and that was on Friday. And naturally, you know, <laughs> you go full panic mode <laughs> at that point. <laughs> um, but didn't end up pitching that night. And then, um, you know, eventually Sunday, um, Pablo got into some trouble early and uh, they called down, told me to get get going. Um, and I, I didn't throw a single strike in the bullpen. Everything was about six feet past the catcher. <laughs> uh, but, you know, eventually when I got out to the mound, uh, took a deep breath. My warm ups out there were OK. And it really wasn't until I threw my first strike to Francisco Lindor um, is the first pitch. And then I, I said to myself, like, all right, I think we're going to be OK. Um, and then, you know, he ended up grinding out to third base. And that was when I was really like, OK, if uh, if Lindor is going to ground out to third, I think we can make it through this. Yeah, I mean, you don't ease into it. A Mets team that's obviously terrific this year, a guy like Francisco Lindor, who, you know, in Cleveland was always an MVP candidate. Um, explain to us the difference between pitching at the AAA level where you're just you're trying to make it and then you've made it. Um, are you Im fully embracing the opportunity? Are you are what are the nerves like, especially when it's a guy like Lindor? What is going through you in that moment? Do you have time to process kind of everything that's on the line and what you're experiencing yeah I, I mean you got a lot of nerves out there especially that first time um the the second outing was a lot less nervous but you still have this crazy heightened energy out there um and you know to me the the difference is you have to make good pitches and you have to keep making good pitches in triple a you can get away with with some you know, a lot of pitches, uh, but in the big leagues, they will just, they're just so good at punishing those mistakes, um, <laughs> especially late in the count. Uh, so, you know, they'll, they'll give you strike one, strike two, but then you better make a, a pretty good pitch <laughs> after that or else they're going to demolish that thing. Jake here locally, people would maybe know you from your days at union college and and listen, this is this is rare. We saw a guy like Chris went to Ithaca, so he's a big Tim LaCastro guy. We've seen a guy like Tim LaCastro make it from Ithaca to the bigs, but this doesn't happen every day. Have you kind of been able to wrap your head around how unique your situation is and maybe just kind of people look at you differently because you're a guy who went from D3 to the show. That's something that doesn't happen every day. I've been trying to wrap my head around it for sure. <laughs> 
you know, you look at the the people prior to me from Union College that have played in the major leagues, and it's people from over a hundred years ago. Uh, so it, it's hard to fathom, to be honest. Um, you know, and, and you look at how many Division three guys make it to the major leagues, and it, it's just so small. Um, it's it's really difficult to put into words, really. But um, I, I hope it shows that regardless of where you go to school, um, you can do big things and you'll get noticed if you uh, if you got the stuff and you just keep pitching well. I'll make the obvious observation here that everybody else has already made. You obviously have the perfect name for somebody on the Marlins. Uh, This thing is destined to work out long term. Last thing from me, Jake, is as rosters expand, we don't have that huge call up we used to have in Major League Baseball. But as they expand slightly in the month of September, what what do you hear? Is there any kind of like, hey, heads up that you will be back with the big league club before the season's over? Or do you just continue to perform at the level you can, hoping that you get the chance again this year? 100%. Um, so you know, I have to go through the waiver process because um, I got designated for assignment yesterday again. So uh, with that roster expansion, definitely something you never know what could happen. Another team could, could claim me off waivers. Um, but regardless of that, you just got to keep going um, where your feet are. And uh, my teammate, Ryan LaVarnway, who's been around for so long, mm, uh, yep. talks about that a lot. And just you can't focus on the things around you. You can't be thinking about the future and, and trying to be in the big leagues. You just have to be where your feet are um, so you can perform in that moment. Well, Jake, I've been in constant contact with – I would say your biggest fan. I'm sure your parents are your biggest fans, but (laughs) Coach Mound is one of your biggest fans. He has been messaging me on Instagram every time something happens with you. He connected us, obviously. What is the support like from him in particular, but also just from kind of have you heard from teammates, classmates at Union? What has that been like for you? Yeah, so Coach Mound's been amazing. Um, He's been so supportive ever since I was at Union and beyond. He helped me a lot in my career, got me in the right summer ball programs. Um, You know, he was always reaching out to people for me. Um, And even still to this day, he's a big supporter for me. Um, And everybody from the Union community has reached out and it's been amazing, definitely. All right, Jake. Yeah, he's a great guy. Absolute great guy. Um, good luck to you, man. We appreciate you taking the time here. Um, success is is definitely around the corner. You've proven it at the big league level that that you can do it. So uh, we're looking for big things in the future from you, man. Good luck. Thank you so much. Alpenhouse RV is celebrating 58 years of family fun and camping during our anniversary sale. Shop big anniversary savings on an even bigger selection of RVs. Choose from new 2022 Avenger travel trailers for $194 a month and new 2022 Colorado travel trailers for $228 a month. Plus, all 2020 and newer RVs come with our exclusive lifetime warranty. Proudly serving you since 1964 and generations to come. Don't miss our 58th anniversary sale at Alpenhouse RV. You've heard of unsung heroes. The men and women of Nyscoba are the unseen heroes. For the past year, you've learned about our many charitable endeavors. Now it is my privilege to share with you the work performed by our members, the 20,000 state correction and law enforcement officers shielded from view, 
They work in difficult and dangerous conditions and are an extension of the police who protect our neighborhoods. NYSCOBA honors New York's police and firefighters and salutes its own members who help deliver a peaceful night's sleep. And now back to Honorado and Company, brought to you by Alpenhouse. Back in more permanent territory, I guess. I'm at the TV station and uh, now Ashley's in her car. What are we doing? Is, I don't know. This is not permanent for me. <laughs> the magic Great. of television. Yeah. Great of the Alpen House people to host us this week as they do at least once every month. I was in Amsterdam. Now I'm back uh, at the TV station to wrap up this week's show. We still got a lot to do on the show. So so let's let's do exactly that, Ash. We've got more football to get to. We started tennis. We did football with Jason Fitz. Then we did some baseball. And now because of Dirty Difficult Done and our buddy Bill Miller at Performance Industrial, we've got more football. And now, Dirty Difficult and Done. Presented by Performance Industrial. I just shouted him out. I'll do it again. Bill Miller, South Glens Falls, Albany. There is no job that is too dirty or too difficult for his great team at Performance Industrial to get it done. Ash, you are up first here. Your triple D as we steal from Guy Fieri. Yeah, listen, my triple D, and I'm going to take a little bit of credit for, I don't think I'm the only one who probably made the assumption or guess that Baker Mayfield would be the starting quarterback in Carolina. Obviously, that's old news. And now that Sam Darnold's hurt, he's got all the keys to the car. Matt Corral is hurt. Uh, Baker is the only guy that they have. So he will be the quarterback for the foreseeable future, probably most of this season. But I just think he's the best option. In terms of Brown's talk, though, like every day there's a headline about Baker Mayfield. I'm done with the Browns talk. I'm sure he's done with the Browns talk. A reporter said something about, do you want to F up the Browns? And he repeated it, and now it's a big story. It wasn't his words. It was her words. He didn't come out and say, I want to mess up the Browns. Um, So, yeah, of course he wants to. If they were playing the Bengals or the Jaguars or the Chargers, yeah, of course he wants to win that game. Does it have a little extra meaning for him? I'm very sure it does. Um, I, for one, would love to see him go mess them up just because of the situation that they've gotten themselves into. They wanted Deshaun Watson. Look what they have. Um, And Jacoby Brissett is a guy I actually really like. But I like Baker Mayfield. I think he took too much heat for the bad season he had with the Browns last year. He went from this, like, prophet to a pariah in what seemed like a matter of a season. Um, Injuries, I think, were a huge part of that. Chris, I had some stats here. He threw for over 3,000 yards, which I know is not great. 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Those numbers aren't good in 14 games. But he was sacked 43 times in 14 games. The only quarterbacks in the entire league who were sacked more than him, Joe Burrow, 51, who was sacked more times than anyone last year, Ryan Tannehill, and Zach Wilson. And my guess is those guys played more than 14 games. Uh, so – The guy was sacked more than almost anyone else in the league. I just think he's going to be better. I'm glad he's done with the Browns. I'm sure he's glad to be done with the Browns. 
and it would be kind of fun to see him go out and win against the Browns in week one. It's just weird how sports plays out sometimes. You get Broncos Seahawks Mm -hmm. and you get Panthers Browns. It's in week one. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, Oh, by the way, uh, that extension for uh, Russell Wilson's not so bad either. Yeah, look, extension, five years, two forty-five. I think the Broncos finished last in that division. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a huge Russell Wilson fan. He didn't always play behind the best offensive lines in yep. Seattle, and he was sacked a bunch and running for his. But I think a lot of that is the product of the quarterback too. Mm-hmm. He made big plays down the field. The longer you hold the ball, the more like you are, more likely you are to get sacked, even for as elusive as Russell Wilson is. Denver throwing five years at him. We all know what the deal is with NFL contracts. They're never worth the length of the deal itself. My guess no. is that thing could be null and void in a couple of years if Denver wanted it to be. But regardless, yeah. there but are intriguing week one matchups here. How much guaranteed? 165 guaranteed. Okay. So that's really a – that's like – you better look at that as like a four-year deal if you're Denver yeah. at 40 a pop. That's – Kind of the going rate for a really good NFL quarterback these days. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I, listen, I, I think Russell Wilson is super talented. I don't know that he has the pieces around him to be good in Denver, but he didn't have the pieces around him at the end to be good in Seattle either. So I think right. that's a team that if they draft well over the next few years, that they could be okay. But yeah, we talked about it with Jason Fitz, the Raiders and the Chargers, the Chiefs to be in that division is not fun. Yeah, no, it's a it'd be fun to watch as yeah. an outsider for sure. Um all right, my performance industrial dirty difficult done. This happens to me pretty often. This does often. not shock me. Hard knocks has me buying in on my D is Detroit. Um I'm expanding the boundaries of the segment here with the 3 Ds and adding a fourth. Um I'll add a fifth. Dan Campbell is a guy that I could understand many people wanting to play for. Whether or not he can be a good NFL head coach, I don't know. Um, And I think for the most part, you can get away with being kind of a figurehead, if you will, and and a guy who rallies people. But the number one thing that I've learned watching bad NFL head coaches is you better be good with the challenges. And he better be good with time and clock management. Yep. And I don't know if, if Dan Campbell can do those things to win football games, but I'm watching him on HBO's Hard Knocks, and I'm saying, I'd go play for this guy. You're so loving it. if he's in Detroit long term, I think they're going to get some free agents to go play for Dan Campbell. That all comes down to the quarterback and Jared Goff, and, and I get all of that. But when I say I'm buying in on Detroit, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team. I'm not telling you – They're going to win the division or anything like that. But when I look at the number in Vegas in terms of win total and I see six, I think they could be seven and ten. Aiden Hutchinson looks like he's going to be a real problem in the NFC North for years to come coming off the edge. Um, The running game is good if their two main backs can stay healthy, Swift and Williams. I like Amon Ross St. Brown, had a really good rookie year. Can golf play at a high enough level to win enough games? I want to say they're going to win more than six games because of what I watch every week on HBO. 
So I'm I'm drinking the Campbell the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid here with the I'd, Lions. I'd have to I'd have to look at their schedule because you're gonna get obviously the Packers, you're gonna get the Vikings, you're gonna get the Bears, which that's not, you know, obviously that those are winnable games because with Justin Fields is sort of unproven. The Vikings, I'm not big on, you know, they'll be okay, but I, I just, I don't drink Vikings Kool-Aid ever. Um, Me neither. So yeah, like even division games, they, they're winnable other than the Packers. Um, so yeah, I'd have to see what the rest of their schedule looked like, but yeah, six, I don't know if I'd go over six, but six sounds maybe about right. And that would be pretty darn good for a Lions team. That's the problem. I don't want to go under six. Five feels like too few, and yeah. it, it feels like a real risk to yeah. go over six, and hence why Vegas is as good as as Vegas is because they know exactly what they're doing. All right, let's take another time out here on Honorado and Company. When we come back, we've got the Popeyes Louisiana Fast Minute. we got the Aaron Judge home run tracker. As we do this on a Thursday, only 10 away from tying Roger Maris. Back right after this. What kind of stories that's been told on you That may be a lot of things in life you used to do If you can't give true love to me, I'll understand Just do the best you can The Galope Ultra, 2.6 carbs and 95 calories And now, back to Honorado and Company, brought to you by Alpenhouse. And a shout-out to all of our local business partners here on Honorado and Company. We've got a bunch, and we are proud to have each and every single one of them. To start off the show, we brought you the Marcellus MVP of the month. It was Serena Williams. want to remind you as well that Marcellus has a great Labor Day weekend sale going on as we speak. Our appliances in the Honorado household, all from Marcellus Appliance Center. Uh, I'm back at the TV station. Ash is now in her car. We have seriously yeah, traded uh, spots. If I become a problem, just kick me right out, okay? Because I won't know, so... I will do that, and we know how this works. Sometimes the phone isn't always the most reliable thing we've got going, but we'll try it for now. Let's do that Popeye's Louisiana Fast Minute, Ash, and it is about the Traverse Stakes. We might as well put a bow on this. The Midsummer Derby, it's the biggest race each and every summer at Saratoga Racecourse. 49,000, what, 671, I think was the exact number that Naira reported, and it's epicenter. The horse that was the favorite, but it is the one that now with this win, its first grade one victory of the year, maybe has cemented itself as the three-year-old champion of the year. Of course, the Breeders' Cup Classic still to come, but this was an impressive runaway in the stretch, I thought, by Steve Asmussen's horse. And so now maybe I have lost Ash, and that's okay. I can still do Popeye's Louisiana Fast Minute when it's just me. That's not a problem. Again, as I said, Asmussen's horse, Epicenter. There's my clock, but I've got some time to burn here. Impressive in the stretch. Epicenter now certainly the inside track to three-year-old champion of the year. 
as we look forward to Breeders' Cup Classics, certainly. But 49,671. It's the largest attendance at a Traverse since 2015, when, of course, American Pharaoh was here, the Triple Crown winner, when they capped it, they said cap it, but 50,000 people were on the Saratoga race course grounds for that race. Um, so, you know, I think people were more comfortable, right, post-COVID times. Uh, the weather was phenomenal. I was there. And and you had a really deep, talented field of horses. So it was really just every ingredient uh, coming together for what was a perfect, perfect thing. All good. And uh, I can't believe it. We're in the last weekend of Saratoga, which means summer is ending. Football season is officially here. There's a lot of good that comes along with fall, but we certainly know what's on the back end of that. As we talk football and college football, I, I just want to weigh in on this game here. We had our, our guest, Jason Fitz from ESPN. My two cents on this game. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. I will be rooting for Notre Dame. Um, Ohio State might be the best team in the country. This offense is beyond legit. It is going to give Notre Dame everything it wants. And the best part about the Irish this year, at least early on, as they figure out the quarterback situation, is going to be the defense. That's, of course, Marcus Freeman's specialty. He was the defensive coordinator. He played linebacker at Ohio State. They have really talented defensive players, Notre Dame does. Isaiah Foskey just jumps off the screen at you. That said, you have to score a bunch to win this game. You're not going to keep Ohio State, in my opinion, in the low 20s. So you, it's like a race first to 30, maybe. Maybe it's first to 35. I mean, Notre Dame's going to have to score points to win this game because every time they give the ball to the Buckeyes, they're going to be a threat to score a to score a touchdown. So, can you run the ball effectively? Can you keep CJ Stroud off the field? Obviously, some big big keys. I'm looking forward to Saturday night. That one is going to be a lot of fun. Thought here on baseball before we say goodbye. We've seen the Mets and Dodgers this week. Fun series potential NLCS preview. Jacob Degrom was terrific on Wednesday night. Brandon Nimmo makes the catch of the year to preserve that lead at City Field in the seventh inning on what would have been a Justin Turner home run. A lot of good there in the NL and for the Mets as they continue to win. Aaron Judge is the story for the Yankees. He continues to be, despite the Yanks losing games, 51 home runs now, 10 away from tying that franchise record from Roger Maris, 61 back in 1961. He's going to get there. He's got 31 regular season games to go as we sit here on a Thursday. If you're watching us on Saturday night on my four, you may be saying to yourself, well, he's only got 29 games now, and maybe he's hit even another one before uh, before I have seen this or as I'm saying this. So Judge will get there. It's all good. Um, will he be regarded then as the home run king in a lot of people's minds? A debate for another day. We appreciate you watching Honorado and Company here each and every single week on News Channel 13's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and Saturday nights on My4. Have a great weekend, everyone.